Well, welcome back to the Red Letter Disciple. It's season three. I'm so excited. My name is Zach Zender, your host, and I'm going to be joined in a couple minutes by my co-host, Pastor Chris Johnson. We've got 10 power-packed, awesome, Jesus-centered episodes for you this season. And it all starts with a, a really great conversation today with Alan George. Alan spent more than a decade as the online church pastor at the literal largest church in our nation, Life.Church. They got 44 physical locations. Their biggest location of all, their online campus. And so over a decade of leading in that, he's got all sorts of insights. Plus, what happens when 30,000 churches overnight want to all of a sudden stream their services in the midst of COVID? That's what happened for Alan. So we're going to go into the boardroom and figure out what those days were like. And then after a few months of that, really at the height of what he was experiencing, Alan felt God moving him into a new space. So how do you know when God is nudging you? How, how do you know when God is moving you to something else? And I always feel like there's one obscure conversation that happens every episode. And this one, we learn all about foosball of all things. So anyway, it's a great episode and we are glad that you are joining us. The mission of Red Letter Disciple is to challenge you to be a greater disciple no matter where you are. And so I think you're going to be challenged today. All right. If this conversation is helpful today, will you tell a friend? Will you uh, spread the word about Red Letter Disciple? And one of the ways you can do that is not only verbally in person, you know, with your actual friends in life, uh, but we would love for you to rate and review our, our podcast and follow and subscribe no matter what platform, whether it's YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it might be. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by Red Letter Living. At Red Letter Living, we create resources that do exactly what this podcast do. They challenge people to be greater disciples of Jesus. And so pastors and church leaders, one of those resources we provide are 40-day challenges. Are you looking, pastor, to unify your church? I really believe, and this is what we've seen so far, is there is no better season than the Lenten season, that 40 days right before Easter to lead your church through a 40-day challenge. And we would love to partner with you. We have three immersive 40-day challenges that not only will unify your church as you look to Jesus, but they're going to grow disciples. Pastors, they're going to grow your small groups by 40%, and they're going to give you a much-needed break for a small period of time because we got so many materials to help you along the way. So if you are interested in learning more, go to redletterchallenge.com slash join, and you can find all the info there. Pastors, we will even mail you a free 40-day challenge at that link. No strings attached for you to check it out. Join the nearly 1,000 churches. We're just about to hit 1,000 churches that have launched a 40-day challenge, and up to this point, no joke, 100% recommendation. And so many churches are jumping even in for another challenge. And so Lent is the best time of the year to do it. Join with tens of thousands of people across the world and hundreds of churches this Lenten season. It's going to be awesome. We're only a month away from the start of Lent. So jump on it. All right, listeners, here we go. Season three. Let's do this. Here we go. Season three uh, for a decade, Chris Johnson. Alan George has had the opportunity to serve as the church online pastor at Life.Church. You know, just out of curiosity, he's got two first names. <laughs> he does. That's good. Hey, but during that time, he had a front row seat to seeing God work through the church, especially online. Uh, he believes that God is not limited by technology, but rather 
He can do way more than we can imagine. And now Alan helps build teams and strategies to help churches win online. Whether it's creating digital roadmaps, helping clarify vision, or offering coaching, Alan is your guy. I got to hang out with him a few months ago and have a really great steak dinner here in Omaha, Nebraska oh. with Alan. Alan, Sick welcome invite. to the Red Letter Disciple. Hey, wait a second. Uh, you guys went out for a steak dinner. Cool. We did. Sick invite, guys. We <laughs> did. That is awesome. Yeah. I, most Nothing. most people that come into town, I invite to a steak dinner, Chris. Well, I flew all the way in from Florida, so I'll be expecting <laughs> a tomahawk tonight. Just so yeah. you know. I feel like with that intro, I, I, I want to like run into a soccer field, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just uh, just I noticed I said soccer field uh, yeah. just to make sure, you know, it just felt so good. Yeah, this is all awesome. excited. So we just uh, out of curiosity, uh, you I'm for those of you not watching on YouTube, Alan's got a pretty great setup here. And to the left behind him is a foosball player. Alan, are you a champion foosball player at my home? Yeah. I am. Okay. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. That Sorry. doesn't sound yeah. that impressive, Alan, man. I'm not this like my, this is with my like 13 year old son yeah. and my nine year old, my eight year old daughter, you know? Yes. And uh, Alan, I know I'm sidetracking completely right here, but, um, uh, and I, I, you, I went to the university, the glorious university of Iowa. We used to go to this place called the Q after class on Thursday and we would play foosball. And every time you could tell a beginner foosball player from a veteran foosball player and how, you know what? I'm going to ask you, how can you tell? There's one thing that yeah. beginners do. I do it. That drive you crazy it's as a yeah. Yeah. The spin. The spin. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. If you spin the pole, I'm just yeah. walking away. Yeah. No, that's that's the most fun no. though. No. Or or if you see them spin, you know you're going to win. So <laughs> you stay. And, uh, it just and, and, depends on how competitive you are. Yes. And I, Zach and I both are competitive. Do you count a goal if the middle guy kicks it in? Heck yeah. I mean, we count a goal if the goalie kicks it in. Like, it, yeah. it's all counted. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a weird question, Chris. Well, usually some people, we used to play, we used to smoke everybody. And then there was this, like, Ukrainian team that would come in and they would, like, 11-0 us all the time. <laughs> and and I remember scoring from the middle guy and they would speak in, like, broken Russian. That does not count. And I'm like, what? Why does it not count? Wow. Anyway. Well, so. there you go. I didn't even know we were going to talk through the basics of foosball. And and I think that's all we wanted to do here today. All right. so have we'll... a good time. Guys. Can you have any websites for us? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Alan, it's great to have you, man. Seriously. Uh, super happy to have you on the show. I recently saw a post from you and on your social media, it said the main thing you learned about God last year was that he cares more about who you are becoming than what you have accomplished. Hmm. Why don't you tell me how you learned that or explain hmm. explain that? Wow. How long is this podcast? <laughs> um, you that know, was from your MySpace page. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, so for me, uh, I'm naturally wired at more action-oriented. I'm not as much, if, if you had to pick between contemplative versus action-oriented, I lean more towards taking action. And I think um, with good intention, there was a desire to do a lot for God and just, man, I can't, you know, it's like whatever you accomplish for God, it's like, it's never, it's, that, that's awesome. Can we do more? Can we do more? Can we do more? And in the process, just even seeing stories of other people in ministry and pastors where they weren't able to, you know, stay in their faith or they messed up and it's like, okay, how do I make sure that I'm running the race well? 
And years ago, I was introduced to this book, uh, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Yeah. That was a really good book that kind of ta- taught me about rest. But that book led me to Soul Keeping by John Orberg. Mm. And oh my gosh, that thing messed me up. And so that introduced me to the world of Dallas Willard. And so this was this was a Dallas Willard quote. And it's been just really... I didn't realize how dry and thirsty my soul was. Hmm. And as a leader, we talk about serving from the overflow of what's within. Um, I think after years of serving empty, just realizing I, I need to do, I, I need to, I need to fill my heart. Hmm. And in that process, if I, what I've learned is if I'm, I can do everything I do, but if I'm not becoming like Jesus, like every day, if I'm not becoming a like closer into His image, then what? What? Why does all this matter? And so it, it's. I think it's a journey that I'm still on. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure it out. It's. It's way more complicated than I can understand. But I'm trusting God, taking it one step at a time. But soul keeping, I would. That that book was good for me. Yeah. That. John Mark Comer and John Ortberg both rely heavily on Dallas Willard and, mm-hmm. and he's so been so transformational for my learning as well. I remember reading divine conspiracy in seminary for the first time. And that's one of the top books I've ever read in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and what's neat. I remember in that uh, exchange of the ruthless elimination of hurry, they asked Dallas, if you had one word to describe Jesus, what would it be? Mm-hmm. And his word was relaxed. Mm-hmm. And I thought, That's interesting. That, that wouldn't show up in my top hundred. Yeah. We have Jesus who, who was busy. There's a difference between busyness and hurry. Right. Mm-hmm. But, and so he was busy, but he was never hurried. And, and I can relate so much to what you just said that I feel like a lot of the things I do are for God and I'm doing it for God. My wife asked me the other day, when's the last time you just had time with God just to mm-hmm. have time with God. And I'm just like, you know, I don't know because my brain is so wired as a maximizer that like, yeah. Oh, if I'm praying and we're even doing it right now, we're in the 21 days of prayer challenge. If I'm praying, I'm going to bring everybody else to pray with me. We're going to grow together and we're doing that. And I think it's going well, but like, ah, I don't know if I, am I doing this yeah. for others or for God? It's, it's a tough line. So well, was there something last year that took you over that hump or was it just a realization in these materials of like, yeah, this is just describing who I am. I, I think it's been a it's been a process. So um, my role with Life Church that was my first ministry job. Um, I had only been a volunteer at at our at any church that I was a part of up until that time. And so when I started working at a church, I come from a I have a workaholic tendency anyways. But when in corporate, that's kind of bad in the cr- church world, right? But coming into the church, it's like. Now I can be a workaholic for Jesus. I mean, because it's like, you know, it's, it's for a good cause. And I, I realize that's not what God's calling us to do. Uh, so I think it was it was it, it's been a process for many years. Um, another verse that stood out to me was when Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branch. And, it, you know, our how we need to stay connected to him. And as I started unpacking that branches cannot do anything on their own. They have to stay connected to the vine. Well, then why in my work do I feel like all of this depends on me? Hmm. And there is a tension there because there is, you, you know, it's, it's not that what I do is not important. It's how do I make sure that who I'm becoming is more important than what I do? Because who I'm becoming is what fuels what I do. 
so I, even even that that ministry burden, and you guys understand this as pastors or as leaders, we have a tendency to carry the burden of our ministry, but is it ours to carry? And what part of it is ours to carry? So those were all questions I began to start thinking about and trying to just process in my own life. Alan, I've got a question for you. So um, it's interesting. You said that Life Church was your first ministry position. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who like started in radio, the, the, like the biggest location you could possibly go to is New York City. And usually you don't start off in New York City. Usually you go to Omaha, Nebraska, hey, or uh, Ames, good Iowa, here. And, and then you work your way up. So how did that happen? That you just, you, you were volunteering at Life Church, And did you have, uh, as part of your roadmap, were you saying, <laughs> I, I want to be working in ministry? No, it didn't, it didn't quite work that way. So what happened was it was end of 2008 where I was working corporate. And at the end of the year, typically my wife and I, you know, we'll pray, God, what do you have in store for us for next year? And and I felt like God was telling me, do you trust me enough to quit your job and come work for me? Mm. And I was like, so I, I, I'm from India. Um, mm. I spent most of my life in the Middle East and I moved here in 2004. And so coming to the US and when God asked do you you know quit your job I was like so where I where I grew up we back then we didn't have to pay for insurance like if you if your salary was I don't know $1000 you would get all of it like we didn't pay taxes we didn't pay health that insurance I don't want to I don't want to get into politics or anything like that but that sounds great so when when God when I felt like God was saying quit your job I was like I've got insurance I've got to pay and we've got a kid and I'm getting ready to buy our first house, you know, the American dream. And so I was like, I mean, no, because in my opinion, God didn't pay that well. And so I was like, I, you know, like, <laughs> I don't think this is for me. But long story short, we kept praying about it. And so my wife and I realized, okay, this is what we need to do. I come from marketing sales background. And so I told my wife, I was like, babe, give me a year. Mm-hmm. And I'll figure out a way to raise enough money to where you can quit your job too. Because that was the dream. Let's do ministry together. Two years later, living in my in-laws home um, where we had like we, we by then we had two kids and both like the crib and the little twin bed and our queen bed was all in a little, you know, in a little bit. She's like living the dream. Yeah. What's going on? Like you said it was going to be a year. This is two years. And I, I think for me, what was happening was God, it took me two years to learn that I'm not my source, but God is. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for me, it was like, oh, I can do this. I can figure it out. You know, I'm smart. I've yeah. got the experience. And God was like, no, 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 I'm your source. You need to learn this lesson for what I have in store for you in the future. And so during those two years, that was a very hard lesson to learn. And it was at the end of, the, it was end of 2010 that a friend of mine who was on staff at Life Church said, Dude, you should come work for Life Church. And I was like, I don't have like a Bible theology degree. Like, one, I didn't even know you guys employed people. Like, because the churches I grew up in, everyone was volunteer. And so he began to tell me, Yeah, you can you get paid and you get a <laughs> I was like, wait, you get insurance? He's like, Yes. Yeah. So I was like, What? Like, this is so cool. So I I didn't because I came from the background of you raise your own funds, and, and so things were different. And so that's that's what got me introduced to the concept of I could work here. 
And so then I began knocking on doors and just like, can you please hire me? They wouldn't hire me. It took a long time for me to convince them. And so finally they took a chance on me and actually hired me as their kids pastor, mm. which I have no experience working. For. Uh, that's where we all start. Did you just play foosball with them? I I did. I did. And I learned real quick on my first weekend, do not high-five all the kids in the two-year-old room because you will be sick. Yeah. Guaranteed. 100%. Guaranteed. Plus, you'll have to do it every single week for the rest of your ministry. Yeah. Yes. But that's that's the first point in my new book, What Not to Do in Kids' Ministry, actually. (laughs) Available on Amazon. But that, so that was the start. And I did that for six months and that led to someone saying, Hey, have you thought about church online? So that's kind of how so that they saw, was. Hey, Alan's not a kid's pastor. Let's put him somewhere else. <laughs> yep. and, and then I was like, what church online? Why do you guys keep putting me in? Like I had no clue about digital ministry. And so it was like, what? So but, I, yeah, I the, think you guys at Life Church are the pioneers really in church online and in, in ministry, digital ministry online. So I'd love to hear I'd love to hear from your perspective, like what it was like to watch and be a part of that. Uh, I think you said 2010, 2011, maybe after the six months you, you jumped into that role and led for. Uh, about a decade, if not a full you know, decade hold, in that. Hold on a second. I got I to gotta, I gotta share this story with you. I, I, I love what you said that uh, the point that you brought up was like, I don't think that God pays that much. The first time I started working at a church, they offered me uh, $17,000. And I had come from a corporate background as well. And they hired me. They knew they wanted me on the, the boat, but they hired me as the church secretary. And I... <laughs> And, and after a week, the pastor came to me and he goes, you're the worst church secretary <laughs> that we've ever had in the history of this church. And I said, I know, but he goes, but we're going to find a place for you. It just that remind, like I would do whatever it takes to get yeah. in. Right. And then they shuffled you around and obviously it worked out. But I remember that he took me to Chili's <laughs> where business is done <laughs> that you're the worst. Wow. It was encouraging. That's John that Thomas. Jim Collins, good to great stuff, right? Let's yeah. get him on the bus. And yeah, then exactly. In a little bit of time, we'll find out Chris isn't a secretary. Alan's not a kid's pastor. Right. We'll put right. him in the right seats on the bus at yeah. some point. Yeah. yeah, but go ahead. Sorry. So, yeah, talk to me about what Church Online, what that experience was like in that in that decade. Because I, I know you guys saw some incredible things. Yeah, I mean, it it was so much fun. So Church Online, version, and Open, which is where we give our resource away for free, all of those initiatives were launched in 2006. So that was like a really pivotal year for our church. And so I stepped into church online five years um, after it had already been been going. And one for me, it was interesting because I'm not a digital guy. Like I would rather be and, you know, in an in-person building. And even after joining staff, I was like, man, this is where I want to be. Like, I want to be in a building. I want to be able to shake hands, love on families and just that. Like, I felt like this was this was my sweet spot. Um, I felt like I had a decent communication skill. And so being on stage was comfortable for me. And so this whole concept of church online, where now you can't shake anyone's hands, and there's no crowd, there's no stage, you look into a camera lens, and that's who you talk to. You, you think your jokes are funny, but you don't know if anyone's laughing. Like, exactly. it's just ev- everything that comes with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think I went into it thinking I've got to reimagine everything and reimagine how to do ministry. And what I realized is I really didn't 
because at the end of the day, you're still, it's all about people. It's, it's meeting people where they're at. And technology is just a tool. And tomorrow the tool might change, but the heart behind it stays the same. And so that allowed me to focus on what I was good at and then find and build a team that helps us figure out the pieces that I don't know. So, I mean, I can go whichever direction you want, but it, it was such an incredible journey to see all that God did. And then COVID hits. And I know we'll talk about that, but just how everything changed during that time. It's, it's been so cool. Yeah, because a lot of churches, and again, this is where I think Life Church has been such pioneers in a lot of things for the church with, with opening multi-site and, and really uh, thriving in, in video mm-hmm. uh, teaching with the YouVersion Bible app now over so half a billion downloads. That is more um, than this podcast. <laughs> and we're Red Letter Living as a partner with YouVersion. So we love, we love our people at, at YouVersion, uh, Open Church, of sharing the resources. Like I feel like these are all things that you guys sort of uh, went first and have sort of tested the waters. And Church Online was a huge piece of that. Mm-hmm. And for many years, churches weren't listening that you can do online ministry until this thing in 2020 happened called mm-hmm. COVID. And I want you to take us back into the war room or the conference room when COVID hit Mm. and all of a sudden all these churches that thought online ministry is not a thing Mm. realized, Oh, (laughs) it needs to be a thing. And we're going to go to the experts at life church. Uh, Walk me through back in that week, what, or or two, what that was like for you and your team. Yeah. Or, or there were also a small group of churches that felt that theologically it was wrong to have church online. And all of a sudden, you know, we're free. It's, it's a, it's a anyway, I don't want to get on that, but anyway. Okay. So uh, the way I, when I remember this, that whole, it was March, I believe 14th. Um, it started off at least for us with one email saying, Hey, there's this thing happening. We've got to close one location. And then another couple of emails came out saying, okay, we've got to close two more and then a few more. And it's just like, as I, and I, as I'm seeing these, these locations close, I'm like, Oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. This is like, and then the, the last email was like, everything's shot. We're going all online. It was, I mean, I, we had no idea what to think about and what to imagine. And at first for me, I was thinking about like, what do we do and make sure we're in a good place. What happened was overnight, so we created also the church online platform, which churches can use for free to host their services. Overnight, I believe 30,000 churches downloaded the platform. <laughs> They're going, hey, guys, how do we do this again? And so, it, I mean, again, talking about being a workaholic, like it was heaven. I mean, you're talking about 16, 18 hours, just like, I mean, we are just, it just felt, it was exciting. You know, we had these we had moments because we had Easter during that time too. And we had these massive churches on the church online platform. And I have pictures where we've got one screen and obviously we're all at home. We've got one screen where there are a few of us going, you know, you watch those services. I'll watch these services while we're watching our services. Cause if things crash, we've got to catch it. And so it was, it was so cool. I think what was interesting was, we had a campus pastor call um, during that time and I saw pastors do Instagram lives and Facebook lives. And just, I mean, they just, they just started hustling and trying to figure out how can I stay connected to my people? And we heard reports from almost every campus saying that 
the people in our church felt more connected with our church during that time than ever before. That's amazing. And, and for yeah. me, it was like, guys, this is what I've been telling you all this while. Like, we don't have to wait for the weekend for people to come to yeah. us. We can meet them right where they're at if we leverage technology. So it was, it was, there were, the highs were really high. The lows were really low. You know, I don't want to make it sound like everything was just great. We, we had our share of stressful moments during that time. But I think God showed us that he's God no matter what, whether it's COVID or not COVID. And the church cannot be stopped. And so I think that's it. It's not about, again, even in COVID, it's not about technology. We've got to realize it's the church. The church cannot be stopped because it will keep going. And if it's not technology, it will find something else. Yeah, I, I think that's amazing, and I, I, and I have, you know, I can, I can sense the the excitement of, oh, we're doing something that's really meaningful. I mean, you think about thirty thousand churches, which who knows represents. You, you guys may know the numbers, million. I mean, it, it's literally across the world shaping uh, people's faith during this time. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is, if thirty thousand people overnight are saying, "Hey, help us," that means you got thirty thousand amateurs coming into your space with all the <laughs> troubleshooting questions. Well, did you turn it on or yeah. off? Yeah. I mean, you got to yeah. go through all this stuff, and you guys give it all away for free, That's which is amazing. an incredible blessing. Yeah. But like you didn't have the infrastructure or the team or the, the space built for this, did you? Well, I, I should say though, I mean, the team, we repurpose a lot of our team, but I like, I've got a picture. I don't think I will ever delete, but it's a picture of this guy on our team. Um, and he's walking out of, um, our filmmaker's office, and he's holding in his hand the the card that has the first service. And as he's walking, we're all like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh!" Like, make sure he's protected. Make sure you know, it, like, there's no way we could have done this if it wasn't for just the people focused on the main mission. Like, it's we've got to get. We've got to make sure that church happens so that people can come and hear the gospel and they can be with each other, pray for each other and do life together. Like that was a priority. And so, I mean, the team at Life Church, like I'd have to say, like they're f- just phenomenal, phenomenal. Why do you think it was you, you said that, that many of the churches said they were they felt more connected in this time? Uh, why, why do you think that was? I think it's easy for us when we have a building um, and again, this is, I don't want it to sound like everyone does yeah. it, but there's, there, there's a possibility that we can have a mentality where I'm going to, I'm going to prepare all week so that when my people come into the building, I'm meeting them there. And then when we're on stage, we typically say things like, Hey, we care about you. We want to do life with you. We want to walk alongside you. But then the next time we meet them is the following week. And you and I both know pastoral ministry is not limited to just the Sundays. It's stuff hits the fan on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night or a Thursday, 3 Mm a.m. Can we as a church be there? Uh, My own story when I'm a pastor's kid, but I ran away from God and I was a total mess, was thinking about suicide. There was a friend of mine that sat next to me on a park, not a park bench. Like we were, we lived in an, on an Island. And so we were, there was a bench right by the ocean. And I still, I have that picture in my mind. Even today, he asked me one question and he said, Alan, you've tried everything. Why don't you give Jesus a chance? 
that one question changed my life. But that was at like 1 a.m. or something at night, and it was not on a weekend. Today, because of technology, we don't have to wait for someone to come to us. We yeah. can go meet them in their home when they're struggling with depression or they've got questions about whether they should end their life or keep going on. We can meet them right where they're at as they might be scrolling through something or whatever. We could be that message of hope that they need to hear. So the church, we said it during COVID, you know, the church is not a building. We are the church. And then when the buildings opened up, it's like, yeah, but I want you to come back to the building. You know, just, you know, that whole dance. I, we, we don't have to be limited to just the building because we're not the building. Yeah. It's how do we meet people where we are? But it has been tough to get people back to the building because we've <laughs> created such incredible online environments. And they're like, well, I like my mimosa. I'm going to sit here and watch you on TV. You know, and that's the thing. It's like um, I saw Kerry Newhoff um, uh, post this thing on Instagram where he talks about Taylor Swift. Like she does such a great job online that when she opened up her concerts, like it was it, she broke Ticketmaster. Right. So the idea of a great online my experience in the 10 years that I've done this, every time I've gone to a different country or a different city just to visit our community, number one question is, hey, are you guys opening up a building here? If they were comfortable, that wouldn't be their first question. But a great experience actually leads people to wanting to meet together because that's just how we're wired. That's human nature. It's a, front, it's a front door and it's a, a companion door at the same time. And that's what I think so many of us miss is it's not either or it's, it's both and a lot of times. And that's why I love like this conversation, even podcasts like this, uh, it's about discipleship and, and, and churches at the end of the day, you said that churches will not be stopped. Totally agree. And that's because it's filled with disciples who are living out the everyday moments, those conversations at the bench by the ocean, the, those, those moments that we can befriend somebody when they, when they need it or, or be in someone's corner who, who's having a hard time. And so uh, I think that's so cool. So I know then if we fast forward your story a little bit, so the early days, weeks, months are like super rejuvenating, tiring, stressful, exciting, all these emotions. But then after this initial wave, you felt actually God moving you to something else. And so I, I'd love to know, like, what was he moving you to? And, and, and what in the process, like, how did you know? Because I think a lot of people out there, sort of have this hunch or this feeling or instinct. And I'll be real with you. I had it at the same time as you did in yeah, 2020. We talked about it. Yeah. That, that, that are uncertain. Is God moving me to something else? And so walk me through that process and maybe help others that are trying to discern what God is, if God is moving them into another season. Yeah. So if all the COVID stuff happened in March and things started, you know, buildings started opening back up, things started hitting an, uh, the, the normal rhythms or at that time, what seemed like normal rhythms. And I believe it was around July where similar to, you know, the 2008 voice of, Hey, do you trust me enough to quit your job? Like that I've, I've, and I haven't heard it that, and I, again, it's not like an audible voice. I don't know if it's audible or just whatever. I, I felt like in, uh, it was around July. I felt like I heard this voice where God was saying, hey, you've done what I've asked you to do. Your season here is done. Mm. Oh, now it's time for you to move on. And you guys got to understand, like, I, I love my church. My wife's on staff at the church. Um, we have no plans of going anywhere. Our kids, for the most part, live most of their life there. All my best friends are there. Like, it, this was it. And I was like, wait, that's not the plan. You know, get thee behind me, Satan, and I'm going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. 
And I just couldn't shake that feeling of like, it felt like a, a, a faucet just turned off. And I, I wrestled with that feeling, obviously shared it with my wife. We start praying about it and I, it wasn't leaving. And so then I thought, okay, I've got to tell, I got to tell those close to me. And so talked to our leadership team and said, Hey, I don't know what this means. I don't know if this means, should I look at a different role on the church? Should I like, I, I don't know. And so would you guys just pray with us about it? And so they walked alongside us. Um, and even during that time, I mean, I started then feeling, okay, I don't think it's a different role. I think it's time for me to leave. And I, I got to tell you, so Bobby Grunwell, he's my, he's the, so it's Pastor Craig, and then there's the what we call the DLT, the Directional Leadership Team. They're the executive pastors. They, so Bobby was my um, uh, executive pastor, like direct line, and he he was over you know U Version Church Online and all of that. He took, I mean, obviously his schedule was crazy, hmm. and he was like, Alan, let's just let's just meet. I think it was like every week, and let's just talk. Just tell me where you're at. Let's just process this together. And so it was really difficult conversations because the more I kept talking, I realized I needed to leave, but I didn't want to. And so um, it was end of November that I actually transitioned off the team. And I mean, Pastor Craig and Bobby and all, like they prayed for me. They were so gracious, Um, but it was one of the hardest decisions. And honestly, Zach, it wasn't like crystal clear because there wasn't like a writing on the wall saying you are not leaving here and you're going here. Like there was no going. It was just, I just want you to leave. And I'm like, I have to provide for my family. Like, what do you, like, what do I do back to the money thing? You know, like how do I, how do I do all this? And um, so it wasn't super clear as to what the next step was, but I was, it was, it was getting clearer and clearer that I, I needed to take the step of faith. Mm. And so yeah, it was one of the hardest decisions um, that I've had to make because it, it's a place that I love and still love. And so, yeah. So was there, to- was, I'm sorry. Was there ever a time after you made that decision and you left something that was so comfortable that you started to second guess yourself? I, I think um, I don't know if it was second guess. Um, I think I tried to create different scenarios of how it could have ended differently. I see. And I'd just be like, oh, but what if it was this and I could do this and I get, and it's like, stop, just stop. Like, you know, this was the the right thing to do. Um, I think part of what was happening, I, I felt like throughout my time there, we had a really great team that we worked with. Both my leader was Terry Storch and our peers. Like we had just great chemistry and we were close friends and we still are. Um, we've, we kept it real healthy to where at least I felt it was in my heart. I always felt like this is God's ministry. You know, this is his church, but I didn't realize it was only when I left that I realized, man, I was really connected to this, Mm. to where I felt like it was mine. Mm -hmm. And when God is asked me to leave, I'm like, how I can't like this, like, I can't leave it. Like I've, I worked so hard and you know, like, like those were the thoughts that were coming to my mind of like you're asking me to just walk away. I can't. And, and so I think there were some things that came up in my own heart and realized this is God's church. It's his ministry and we work for him and we're just stewarding what he's asked us to steward. And if he says, I want to move you there, then we obey. So I, I, it was an opportunity for me to see some things in my heart that I didn't realize that were there. 
And when you left Life Church, when did your friends over there stop returning your texts? <laughs> it was almost immediate. No, uh, we still we still talk, but uh, you know I, that was another thing that I realized when I've had friends leave. Mm-hmm. We can get so busy with what we're doing. Yes, that. It's not intentional, right? You still care about them, but right. you're not in my space, and so exactly. I forget. Well, and yeah. I think I, I think all of that was part of the who am I becoming, mm-hmm. and where doing was more important in that space for me. I, I wouldn't check in on friends that probably left or whatever. It's like if you're in my world, let's we do life. But if I'm focused on who I'm becoming, then it's more than what I'm doing. It's who do I need to call today? Who do I need to text? And so, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I think, you know, when, when people are trying to discern the voice of God, like we always say, well, what does the Bible say? And the Bible has so many good things to say, but like, ah, I, I, I don't know. It could go either way. And so one of the best things that I think you did and that, I, you know, I certainly ha- have sought is godly counsel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we're going through some a tough decision or we feel like this is God, like laying this on my heart. I think getting that godly counsel is something, and I actually like the the person you got it from is probably someone, uh, I'm speaking of Bob, Pastor Bobby, probably someone who you leaving would represent a hindrance to him. And mm-hmm. so if anything, he, he would, uh, you know, maybe try to talk you out of yeah. it. Cause it's, are you it's, sure that's God's voice? <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like he, he would lose something by you leaving. Sure. And, and so, and yet you still sought counsel in him. And I think that's a really, really great thing that when we're going through these difficult things, like who are we getting the counsel from? And that's, I feel like so much of a problem sometimes is those mm-hmm. that are like having relationship or marriage issues. They'll, they'll talk to someone who's been divorced three times. Like, no, that's not the person to yeah. talk to. Not, not yeah. saying anything about their story, but like there's, there's wise people to talk to when we're going through these things. And I, mean, so I love that. All, so Sam Roberts is also part of the DLT. He oversees all of our campus pastors. Again, all of them, Pastor Craig, Jerry, Bobby, Sam. Sam said something, again, in that season that hit home for me because I said, Sam, what if I'm making the wrong decision? Mm-hmm. And he said, Alan, here's how, how I think about it. If we're trusting God and taking a step, we've got to trust that either it's the right decision or it's a redeemable decision. And I was like, okay, so if if it is wrong, there's still opportunity for God to fix it. Um, and then Kevin Penry, I, I can't not mention his name because he's he was part of the DLT. He retired uh, about six, seven years ago. He's been just very influential in my life. And so when you talk about counsel, right after I left, I drove straight to his house and I was like, just a mess. <laughs> and, you know, he talked to me, he talks about this thing called the gift of uncertainty, where we think we know what the future holds, but we don't. And it's actually a gift because that allows us to trust more in him. And so, yeah, I think wise counsel was extremely, extremely critical for me during that stage. And even today, I, um, it's interesting. You said (laughs) I, I work with, uh, high school, college kids, and I've been doing that for about 20 years. And I had last year, this kid came into my office and he was just, he could not figure out because he felt like God had been leading him up to this point. He goes, Pastor Chris, I cannot decide if I, if God's calling me to go to the University of Florida or the <laughs> University of Central Florida, I've been praying about it. Neither one. And, and I, God is not telling me where to go. And he, I like, he was panicked. And I'm like, dude, 
I think God's going to bless either of those decisions. <laughs> They're both better than the University of Nebraska. Hey, come on. That was, that oh, was a shot. That All was right. a shot. Oh, man. Okay, so you sat next to Craig Groeschel, Alan, on his leadership. And Craig, for those who don't know, is one of the premier leaders, one of the best leadership podcasts in charge mm -hmm. of the Global Leadership Summit. Uh, breaking news, uh, he is not a human being. He's turned out to be a machine <laughs> or a robot. <laughs> so... Tell us about that. I didn't know that. No, seriously, though, what what is it like? What are one or two key things you learned sitting under Craig's leadership? Because from the outside, man, it just it just feels like this guy is a robot, is a machine um, and pumping out content and mm -hmm. helping and, and just has a really great systematic approach to church and, and pioneering all these things. And so what are a couple of the key findings that, that you got to experience being a, a part of his leadership team? And to follow up, does he return your text? <laughs> So I, I I didn't actually sit next to him. So just want to make sure. So I was part of the My campus. hand of Greg Rocha. <laughs> I, I was I was part of the campus pastor team, and one of the cool things about that was we meet with him quarterly. So obviously we worked in the same building, so we'd see each other. Yeah. But uh, the quarterly campus gathering. I mean, this was this was so much. It, it was intense. It was fun. It was. Uh, we'd meet at his house. Um, I think now it's grown to where we can't meet at his house, but just to be on his back porch and he's just, Hey, here's what I'm learning. Here's what God's showing me. What do you guys think? Here's where I think the church needs to go. I mean, just you, you, you get to hear that. Um, obviously if you see life church, like it's a reflection of who he is, he's super evangelistic and that's, that's, you know, at the core of who he is. But when I, when I think about like just personally um, stuff that um, hit me from one key uh, encounter I had with him was when I first became church online pastor. Now he's not involved in campus pastor interviews or anything. Um, he's empowered his teams to do that. It was like day one, he was sitting at a team lunch or something. And so I just, you know, hey, Pastor Craig, thanks for the opportunity. You know, like absolute wrong thing to do to your senior pastor. So please, whoever's hearing me, do not do this. But I was like, you know, I'd love any advice. Like, what's your vision? I'm asking him for the vision of Church Online at Life Church while he's having dinner at a team meeting. And I just like, just like leaned over right next to him. So it's all the wrong things to do. Uh, but he said something that has shaped me as a leader. He's, he looked at me very wisely and he said, Alan, God put you in that role. I know that he's going to give you the vision for the ministry. So just lead. And I was like, you're trusting this just, I mean, I've only been on your team for like six, seven months. And so just the, the idea of empowering your leaders, I learned that from him firsthand because I see him do that with his leadership team as well. Um, and the other thing to prove that he is human, um, I, I, I got a, uh, obviously, when you're around him, you can't help but start thinking about your health. And it's like, okay, I got to start working out. <laughs> and so... If, I guess he found out that I started going to the gym or he saw me at the gym or something. I get a random call one day from him. And when he calls, you sit up a little straight. You know, you're just like, oh, oh the, the big boss calling. And like no inter no like no context. He's like, hey, and I forgot the exact thing, but he's like, do you like mango, pineapple or something like this two, three flavors? I was like, uh, mango. All right, great. And that's it. And so I show up at the office and there's a protein tin on my desk, mango flavored, like high quality. And he's like, hey, 
um, this is like really good way. I don't know, like because he de- he is very careful about what he puts into his body. And he's like, Amy and I, we did research. Like this is really good, so make sure you you know try the whatever. And and to me, it's like, I mean, this guy has a million things to do. The last thing on his mind should be buying protein powder for someone on his staff. But he cares. Like he to me, it's like he genuinely cares. Um, so if someone like him who is who I think has so much on his plate to pause. Well, then I should have time for my people. You know, that's a really good point. Red Letter Disciple has about 11 employees. And guess what? I've never gotten <laughs> a steak <laughs> or a protein shake. Neither, neither <laughs> of those things. Um, so, yeah, I like mango. I like chocolate. Okay. Just so you know. Good. No, it's good. Okay. iPhones. I like the new iPhone. <laughs> I love it, man. So, Fancy cars. All right, Alan. So you have a free ebook on your website, alanvgeorge.com, Alan with one L, uh, called Discipleship in the Digital Age. So maybe give me a, a couple of key takeaways from, from that, that book, Discipleship in the Digital Age, what you're learning. Yeah, for me, it was a way to just take some practical lessons that I had learned over the years when it comes to uh, online ministry. And if you're looking for a way to think about online ministry, this is the ebook for you. If you're looking for like, you know, what kind of server or camera I should buy or what platform, (laughs) this is not the one for you. And I'm probably not the guy to talk to. Um, I I think a lot of pastors are are trying to figure out what do I do? Like, where do I, I know the internet's a thing. I know there's YouTube. I know I need to do something with my services. There's a million options. Which one's right for us? I think pastors are trying to figure out the right mindset to approach online ministry being specific to their church. And I think that's a great place to start. And so I, I, I I hope that the ebook can be a resource for you. Um, And if you have questions, like at the end of the ebook, there's an opportunity to set up a free call with me and I'd love to chat and help any way that I can. That's great. And so I think what you even said about pastor Craig is really important for us and the ministry uh, empowering and uh, and showing care is really important in, in, in the life of everyday disciples as well. So, yeah, what does it look like then as a disciple? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the things we're, we're trying to do as pastors is, is, is move people from just consuming mm-hmm. um, to contributing or to engaging, whatever word you might use. And again, I, I want to make the caveat to consume is not bad. We mm-hmm. have to consume. Yep. And, and, and I'm a, a, a content consumer oh, yeah. to the hilt. This guy. Um, and so it, it's important, but, but how do we flip from consuming to contributing or to engaging online digitally? Yeah. In my mind, it's an extension of who you are. Um, if you're, if you want to see people's lives change, like for me, let me, I'll, I'll speak from my example. The reason digital makes so much sense for me is you mentioned maximizer, like maximizer is part of kind of my wiring as well. When I experienced the love of Christ and when I saw how much meeting Jesus changed my life, all I could think about is, Oh my gosh, like you need to meet him too. And when I, when I think about technology, there's no better way to maximize your reach than technology. At the same time, 
it's a tool that can not only maximize your reach, but it can also give you the ability to care one-on-one. I think when people think about, for example, social media, they only think about like broadcast and think about, man, I can reach the world. Yes, but you could also reach that one. Mm. And so um, I, I, I've taken a break from social media and I've tried to get on back on a couple of times. It's like, ugh, I hate this. <laughs> so well, maybe this might be the year that I'm back. But um, I remember like I would just often share like a verse or a little devotional or something. And people from just random parts of the world that I'd never known. I've got so many messages from people who have no clue who I am, but they would trust me enough to share just the deepest struggles that they're facing. And, and some of the, some of the messages would say, Hey, are you a pastor? I think you're a pastor. I don't know who you are, but I've been struggling with depression. I don't know who to talk to. Mm. Wherever you live, are you telling me there's nobody you could talk to that the only action step that you think you have is to reach out to a stranger online. Like that's the world we're living in. And so I think we as a church have the opportunity, not just the opportunity, but the responsibility to be present. And maybe you don't have a, you know, crazy social media strategy. And, and so I'm not saying like you have to be on social media. It's like find a place where you can be who God's called you to be and be there. And don't ignore the fact that he may challenge you to step out of your comfort zone. So if you feel like, yeah, social media is not for me. Yeah. But is he calling you there? Well, then get with the program and do it. And if it's posting a verse, if it's praying for people, if it's encouraging people, do what you feel God's called you to do, even if it gets you out of that comfort zone. Because I think that's what tech, that's what being a disciple is all about. It's it's being uh, John. I love how John Mark Comer says it's being with Jesus, which will lead to becoming like Jesus, which will lead to doing what Jesus did. Mm. So it's it's simple, but it takes time. And you're having the opposite problem that most people have. Most people can't get off social media. You're saying, I can't get back on. <laughs> I mean, a part of it was because it was so involved with my work and all that stuff. It's like, this, this, takes, this takes a lot of time to, to do this. Uh, but it's good. I'm hoping to get back into it. It's good. All right, Alan, we ask this of every guest we have on the Red Letter Disciple. If you could challenge our listeners to practically do one thing this week to become a greater disciple, what, what would you challenge them to do? Um, I'll share, I'll share something I've been trying to challenge myself and maybe it's helpful for you. Um, when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he, you know, early sentences, he says, you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I grew up with a mentality of, man, I can't wait to leave this place and go to heaven. And here Jesus is saying, Thy will be done on earth as it as in like it's it's our role to bring heaven down on earth. Yeah. And initially that just seems so overwhelming to me. And I thought, man, am I supposed to go raise the dead and you know <laughs> heal the sick? Like it just seems like I've got to be Jesus to do this. But then reading scripture, I'm realizing, yes, I mean, those are moments where anywhere the will of God is is being done that is where his presence exists. And it's not just the sick being healed or the dead being raised. But I think when you, when you say a kind word to someone, when you are 
being generous, when you feed the poor, when you help someone, when you love on someone, when you prioritize your marriage, when you take care of your kids and you spend time with them. Like there's a number of things we could do that releases heaven down on earth. Mm. And so what something I've been trying to work on is go, what can I do today that releases a little bit of that heaven Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so for those who are listening, I mean, if, if you may have a specific area where, you know, I, I know I need to work on this area. Maybe God's asking you to work on this area, not just for you, but maybe he wants to release a little bit of heaven in that area for you and for others. That's cool. I love that. So the challenge is to release heaven on earth in your own unique way. That's cool. Awesome, Alan. Well, this has been awesome. Can you uh, let us know what a couple things you've been working on that you can be a, an asset and a help to, especially leaders in the church, and then where yeah. they can find you? Yeah, I um, am helping pastors and church leaders in this season with tr- helping them try to figure out what their digital ministry strategy needs to be. Uh, so it's not just church online, but as you're thinking about social media, email marketing, just what should my website look like? How do I connect with our community online? Any of that, um, I'm happy to grab a call. Um, Zach mentioned the website earlier, alanvgeorge.com. If you go there, there's tons of opportunity f- for you to set up calls with me. Uh, but I, I think we are living in a unique time where we have the opportunity to reach people like never before. And so my heart is all around empowering and equipping leaders to be able to um, fulfill that calling uh, for their communities. Cool. And at the site, he's got a free assessment for leaders, see how effective your ministry is. And probably one of my favorite names for a master class that I've heard Hmm. called online as it is in heaven. That sounds cool. So that's, I mean, that was part of this. It's like on earth, I mean, online is part of the earth. I was like, God's will can be done online as well. Mm -hmm. That will be done online as it is in heaven. Just a final, just a final question, uh, just to kind of wrap this up. Thank you so much. Um, You know, after COVID, we lost a lot of people, not, I mean, we lost a lot of attendees, you know, they're doing stuff online. And I've noticed that sometimes in YouTube, it'll tell you that somebody has watched a video for five, 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, in good conscience, I, can I count those as attendees? <laughs> can I, is that okay? I just want to know from you. You're the kind of the guru. I, I, I think you should think of an attendance is not the same online as it is in person. Right. But uh, you're kind of, so I wouldn't, uh, that'd be the wrong question. In my I'm mind. just saying you're skating around the answer. Could you, um, uh, maybe... do you want to count them? Is that what you, well, I feel better, you know, like, and <laughs> Anyway, all right. So and that's what this podcast, the real goal of this podcast is to make Chris feel better. Yeah. To get steaks, to get protein powders and, you know, things. Thank for you. Him, so. uh, you've really helped me today. <laughs> I, I think, Chris, you need, I think that genuinely your community, this community will legitimately start sending you protein powder. I mean, all we need is your address. Like, I like. Oh, yeah. Hey, Al, also, can we get Greg's cell? I have some questions. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do that. No problem. Hey, yeah. Al, you're a blessing, man. Thanks yeah. for uh, Thank you. off season three of the Red Letter Disciple podcast the right way. Uh, we'll put your website and everything in the show notes as well. And uh, hey, audience, we'll be back with you next week. Woo. We are so grateful that Alan George came on to the podcast to share his experience. And I hope that helps you if you're wondering like, ah, 
How do I know if God's leading me somewhere else what to do? Uh, this was a great conversation. All right, next episode. <laughs> it, it really is the story of the season. Two local pastors join Chris and I in studio, one black, one white, and they tell the story of becoming friends, going through adversity with one another at their church, and amazingly, in the midst of all this adversity, while one was experiencing a kidney failure, the other just happened to be the perfect match. What are the odds of that? And oh man, it is a powerful story. So we're going to talk racial reconciliation and healing. We're going to talk the power of God and His story. And we're going to have a lot of laughs along the way. So that's next week. It's going to be awesome. Make sure you don't miss it. The way you don't miss it, subscribe, follow on your favorite platform, and it'll automatically, magically, I don't get how it happens, but it'll show up in your feed. And so do that for us, and we'll see you back for next week. Remember to review us. And again, I want to thank our sponsor today, Red Letter Living. If you are looking pastor or church leader for a 40-day experience, especially in the Lenten season coming up, We've got three powerful 40-day challenges for you. You can find that information at redletterchallenge.com slash join. And by the way, all the show notes, all the links for Alan and a bunch of other helpful stuff is at redletterpodcast.com. So we'll see you back next week. A Media Production.